Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. Hello, my friends. Thanks for coming back for part two of this interview series with the vagina coach, Kim Vopney, about surgery and rectocele repair. So I want to get straight to this show, but I definitely want to let you know that some of the resources that Kim mentions, I have put in the show notes. So you don't want to miss the show notes. Check those out. And we cover so much goodness. Just a few of the things we cover are exactly what Kim did for prehab and rehab, the importance of minimizing inflammation and self-care. We talked about mindset, the power of affirming words, exactly how she felt going into surgery and coming out of it, exactly when she started her core restoration exercises and what she did first. There's just so much. So if you are curious about surgery or if you know someone who is, please have a listen to this interview. Really, really wonderful information. And again, check the show notes for all sorts of details and resources, including links to Kim's programs, resources she used, and also links to my lift program if you are not ready for surgery and you're wanting to try conservative treatment methods first for your prolapse and or bladder leakage. So that would be my five-week lift program. Highly recommended because as we mentioned in last week's show, no, actually, I think we talk about it in this week's show. We talk about it throughout the <laughs> throughout the interview. Uh, but the stronger you are going into surgery, the more prepared you are with the right, you know, mindset, exercise, and lifestyle. The stronger you are going to be coming out of surgery as well. So again, that would be a great reason to check out my lift program. And again, all, that link and all the other links are in the show notes. So let's get to the interview. I want people to be informed so they can make the best choice for their body and and not all the information I feel is available right now. Yeah. Pelvic health is for life. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this prehab and rehab. So let's, um, what did you do specifically to prepare for the surgery? And then we can talk about now, but first, what did you do to prepare? So I, I sort of joke that I think, you know, ever since I've been working in pelvic floor phys- in pelvic floor health. I feel like that's always been my prehab. I feel like I've been doing years yeah. and years of prehab, right? So my, you know, my, my prehab really was, I was, I do hypopressives every day. I do a structured pelvic floor. Well, I incorporate pelvic floor into my movement. So whatever workout I'm doing in a day, I will incorporate my pelvic floor exercise into it. Um, I'm mindful of my posture. I pay attention to my diet. So I had, I, all those things need to be in check first. You absolutely have to have your diet and elimination in check. So you are not dealing with constipation. For me, I needed to get my, my, um, uterine health, my, my inflammation, my, my, um, periods in check. So that might be something hormones in check. So getting, getting in a place where you have very low inflammation in your body and you, you are at your, your most, the most optimal you can be. So tissue response, all that. I also went, um, and I was, I was going to be doing this anyway, but I just kind of, I think I sped it up a little knowing I was, I finally made the choice to have surgery. I started to use vaginal estrogen. So for me, again, if you're, if you're exploring surgery in your thirties, vaginal estrogen may not be necessary, but me, I'm, 
you know, I'm almost 50. And, and so I'm right in that period, like heavy perimenopause. I hadn't had a period for four months. Um, so I went on vaginal estrogen to give my tissues as much support as possible prior to the surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was eating, I eat very low in, inflammation. Like my diet is very low, low, low inflammatory foods. I was sleeping. I was, you know, a lot of rest. I wasn't doing a lot of really, really high intense activity. It was very much rest, digest, you know, get my body in the best possible position. And I also like right before I ended up having to go into isolation because of the COVID rules as well. So um, it was, I was isolated in my basement and it was kind of glorious. (laughs) I was kind of nervous about it at the beginning, but it was also kind of I sat in the basement, I did art, I watched mm. Netflix, I did my exercise and, and, you know, I basically went upstairs to, I put a mask on, prepared my meal, or I went in the hot tub in the evening and that was kind of my, my life. So it was kind of like a little mini vacation in a way, which was kind of, kind of nice. How wonderful. Uh, and your family was obviously totally on board to support you in this kind of pressure right. free lifestyle. Yeah. What a yeah. beautiful gift right there. What yes. a what a gorgeous yes. gift that COVID was happening at the time that yes. you had yes. this surgery. Well, and that's, normally that would have never been recommended to people, would it have? No, 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 not at all. Not yeah. at all. And it was, and I, I, you know, when I finally made the decision, you know, generally it's, you know, you have at least, at least in Canada, you know, it's often three, six, 12 month wait list. So I had made the decision knowing that it could be six months down the road that I have my surgery. And so when I finally, when I talked to the MOA, the, the medical office assistant and said, you know, how far in advance? And she said, if you can get your paperwork in and if you're, if you're prepared to do it before the holidays. So I was, this was like, I think it was November 17th that I actually made the decision and sent the paperwork in. And, and she said, if you, if you send it in today and, and you're prepared to do it before the holidays, we can get you in, you know, as I had surgery December 7th, you know, and it was like literally, so it was like two and a half, three weeks or something where all of a sudden I was like, Holy crap, this is, Oh, wow, it's happening. And I've, and in some ways, and the part of the reason I made that choice to do it is because the world was on lockdown anyway. Mm-hmm. There was no, there was not going to be any Christmas celebration, even if there had been, it's a time when people usually retreat and there's not a lot of business activity happening. It's a quieter time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took advantage of that and knowing that we were all going to be just hanging out here anyway, I'm not missing any parties. The kids are going to be off school. My husband had vacation booked and it was, it was perfect, perfect timing. So I feel really grateful for that. And my kids are teenagers. They're pretty self-sufficient. So I, I had the luxury of being able to do that, which I know not everybody does, but Mm -hmm. it absolutely was a huge gift for sure. So rest, optimize my diet, drink a lot of water, get a lot of sleep, um, do meditation, do all that. I was doing my art and got in a really good frame of mind. And I talked to my body. (laughs) I know that sounds kind of hokey, but Oh, people who listen to me know about the woo. They (laughs) like the woo. At least I hope so, because I talk about it. So, (laughs) yeah, I in my art, I would write down like I did a little art journal, and I was I was writing down words, and I kept writing the words. The surgery went very well, like as if I was visualizing my doctor coming to me after saying the surgery went very well, and so I was I was focused on the positive outcome that I wanted, and I was talking to my body, saying, you know, I'm we're safe. I trust the doctor. And I even right going into surgery, I I remember the same thing, just talking to my body saying, I'm, I'm making this choice. We're safe. The doctor, you know, like just trying to 
because when you're lying there with your legs open on this operating table with bright light, it's can, you feel very vulnerable and it's very easy to potentially feel violated in a way. Right. And so I wanted to make sure that I, I was talking to myself in a way that I felt safe and that I wanted my body to feel safe. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but it just no, it no. yeah. on me as well. And yeah. so, so that was kind of my, my, my prehab again, like I, I was doing daily pelvic floor exercise. I was doing my hypopressives, diet, rest, sleep, and positive self-talk, like focusing on the positive outcome that I wanted. That was, that was my prehab. That's beautiful. And so then the day of your surgery, what was it like? I mean, you, you just mentioned kind of how it felt to be in that yeah. operating room, but um, was there any pain directly after? Cause I'm sure you were obviously under during the surgery, yeah. but yeah. was there pain directly after, or was it okay? Yeah. Um, so I, I've had surgeries in my life before I I've had my appendix taken out. I've had, um, my tonsils taken out. I, I, I had broken my nose before. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't unfamiliar with surgery. My mom was an OR nurse. So I was very familiar with what happens and mm -hmm. mine was a day surgery, which not all surgeries are. Um, mine was a day surgery. So I, I checked in and they do all your vitals and you, you hang out and it's, it's, it was a day surgery place. So it was just like everybody in the bed was waiting to go, to go either coming in or going, um, you know, coming back from or going into a surgery. And the doctor came in and just, you know, reiterated, this is what we're doing. Like you sign a consent form to, to put out exactly what your surgery is. So mine was called a posterior colpopher. I can never say the word. I can't say it. I, can't I don't even know. Those words are so hard. Those <laughs> gynecological, <laughs> the gynecological surgeries for anyone who doesn't know, they are so challenging to say. Yeah, <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm like, yes, that's what I'm happy. Okay. So, yeah. um, so I saw the doctor and then just waited and then it was time to get wheeled in and you, you get into this room again. It's kind of like, you know, the, the funny scene in Monty Python with all the bright lights, like that's, yeah. when you know, oh, you've got the machine that goes bing, you know, it's kind of like that, that scene, right. Where you walk in, you get taken onto the table and they confirm who you are. And, and, um, and then they put you under. And so, and, and I making the decision, like leading up to making the decision of surgery, I was so stressed about it. I was so anxious. I was so stressed. I, couldn't calm myself. And then once I had made the decision, I started to become very, very calm. And I was worried that on the day of surgery, I was going to be very anxious and I was going to have high blood pressure. And I, ooh, and then, you know, panicking about that, but I was so calm. I was so, I felt so confident in my decision, I think was a big part of it. And I knew that I had done everything that I possibly could. And I, anyway, so I felt very calm and I, again, was talking to my body and like, yep, okay, we're doing this. It's we're safe and you're, you're going to be fine. So right after I remember you, you know, you're kind of, you're drugged up. And the, the only thing I remember asking was, was I intubated? I have no idea why I asked that question. I just did. But I think part of it was I had a sore throat oh. and, at the, you know, with COVID you're like, Oh my God, did I catch COVID while I was in surgery? And, <laughs> and, uh, and I said, can I have some water? And they said, it's a little too early for you to have water. And so I was asking these funny questions and that's all I remember. I don't remember putting my clothes on. Yeah. I don't remember. I, I do remember hearing my husband coming in saying, I'm here to pick up my wife. And I, and I said, Hey babe. And, 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 I remember getting in the car, but that's it. I don't remember how I got my clothes on. I don't remember driving home. Um, I remember taking a selfie and posting it and that was it. And then the rest of it, I don't remember, but I was not in pain. Well, that's not true. I had a little, I was a, in a little bit of pain in the hospital and they gave me 
something that I think is the reason why I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> so I came home and I, I, I spent the majority of the first week in bed. Um, and I, and they give you a very regimented pain protocol to follow for the first four days. And that incorporated Tylenol, extra strength Tylenol and suppositories, anal suppositories. And um, so it was, you know, every, the, you use the anal suppository every eight hours, so twice a day. And, and then I think it was every four hours or something for the Tylenol 3 or Tylenol extra strength. I forget exactly what it was, but, but pretty, it was pretty manageable. So there was the first poop was painful. I remember feeling, and I was actually shocked that the next day I, I woke up and I had a regular bowel movement. I mm-hmm. couldn't believe it. So I woke up and I thought, wow, I'm going to poop. And, and it felt painful. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit like, oh my God, oh my God. And so I was a little apprehensive, kind of like the first poop after birth. It's scary. Yeah. Like, can I, am I supposed to do this yeah. right now? Is this okay? <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, the, the immediate kind of the, the, the sensation of needing to have a poo when it's kind of building felt painful. Yeah. And then as it was kind of starting to come out, it was a, like a little bit of like, oh, and then it, and then it was fine. So that was really the, like, there was a couple of painful poos, I think, in the first few days where I was a little bit apprehensive about pooping, knowing it was going to be a bit painful. But all in all, the pain was much less than I thought. Um, I did go home with a catheter and I took it out the next morning. So you, you, you go home with a catheter and in the morning, you literally just cut the tube and it drink, the little bubble kind of deflates, the, like mm. the part that's inflated in your bladder deflates and then it just slides out. Mm. And I was, I was a little bit nervous about that too. Um, but it was super easy. And, um, and then my pee totally returned to normal right away. And so, yeah, so I slept for the most of the first few days. Um, later the first week I did start having sits baths. Uh, I, I remember in postpartum doing that and I, I love baths. I love my hot tub. I love hot water Mm -hmm. and I find it very soothing. So I had perineal herbs and I, I did perineal herb soaps every day. What kind um, of herbs, what kind of uh, herbs did you use? I bought the ones from oh. um, earth mama was the ones that I bought, but there's also, and I use some also from um, actually the gal who bought my old company, Belly's Inc. She works with a Chinese medicine doctor and they actually formulated some herbs. So use some of them as well. Um, so perineal postpartum herbs are, are you can find those in a lot of places. So that's what I used. I also had a perineal spray. So after you go to the bathroom, I would spray that on. And I also used red light therapy. Um, so I had bought red light. I had a red light therapy device that I had been using for thyroid support and skin health and sleep. And, um, and a lot of, you know, the more and more I research about red light therapy, there's a lot of information about tissue healing and, and post-surgery and inflammation, all that kind of stuff. So nobody told me to do it. I just felt like it was the right thing to do. So I would lay down on my back. So I have a, it's like a rectangular little box, which is the red light therapy. So I would lay down on my back with my knees bent and I would put the red light in between my calves and my, the back of my thighs. And so the red light was directly shining, I guess you can say onto my vulva and so there was, I did have an incision in my perineum. So there was an outside incision as well. So I did that every day. Um, can, can I ask you, Kim, did you, yep. is that a medical supply or did you find that, is that something that anybody could buy this red light therapy? I'm actually not anybody familiar. Could buy. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anybody can buy red, and they're, they're, they're becoming very popular. So the one that I have is a company here in Vancouver where I live called Orion, O-R-I-O-N. Um, so it's Orion Light Therapy. There's another one that's popular called Juve, which is J-O-O-V. Um, so red light therapy is becoming very, very talked about and common. Um, Dave Asprey, Mr. Biohacker, he talks a lot about red light therapy. And so I love it. Specifically for tissue healing then, right? Specifically, whereas like the, it's it's certainly not like a broad spectrum UV light or one of those things. It's a whole different type of deal. Right. It's red Mm -hmm. light. The the one I have is red light and, and far infrared. So you have infrared heat and, and, and there's benefits to both. So collagen production, tissue healing, mitochondrial support. So everything from a healing perspective it made complete sense to me that I, I, you know, surgery is kind of is a trauma to the tissue. So there was inflammation and there's, I need, I need energy going there, basically flowing there. So I, I did that every single day. And, um, and then I, yeah, so first week I, I watched Netflix, I laid in bed, I didn't move about too much. Um, thankfully, my poop and pee was pretty regular, I drank a ton of water. I uh, took a lot of vitamin C, ate a lot of high protein, also like foods that are, I kind of went with the philosophy of mother warming that I talk about with postpartum recovery. So bone broth, soups, stews, I had pre-made a bunch of soups and stews that were rich in protein and made with bone broth um, so that I was getting lots of collagen into my body as well. Um, and stuck pretty much to my regular supplement routine. Like I do have supplements that I take for, for, lots of things, but vitamin C, I took a lot more of, um, and the vitamin C helps the collagen be more bioavailable in your body. So that's amazing. And I just want to put a little plug in for collagen. One of my friends, who's a, a physical therapist who works with wound healing, she's a wound care specialist and she's actually a, um, she's either a vegetarian or a, she might actually be a vegan, but she does not consume animal products. However, she recommends to all of her patients who have wounds to take supplemental collagen, whether it's like collagen peptides or, you know, collagen supplements of other forms. She says it's, um, it's really, really helpful for her patients who do have wounds and are healing, um, from from scars. So yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I looked at it from a nutritional, how can I support my body through nutrition? I slept a lot. I rested a lot. I, I wasn't upright against gravity a lot during the first week. Um, and I took stool softeners, you know, and, and again, I had my regular routine of, of supplements I was doing. So that was kind of my first week. And then, um, for week, week one and two were, I would say easier in the sense of, I, I probably part of it was I was on pain medications. I was lying around a lot. Um, so I, there wasn't a lot of symptom to say, but in weeks three to five, when I was becoming more upright and moving around, I found those weeks mentally challenging because I was analyzing every single thing that I felt in my body, mm. every little, every little sensation. Oh my God, did I break it? Did I, this, the, the, and, it, and it was just thinking, Oh my God, I've ruined it. I've made a bad decision. And, and you start questioning everything you've done. Um, and you know, have I, am I going to be worse than I was before? And uh, so it was mentally challenging the, the middle weeks. And I remember talking to a friend of mine who is a nurse continence advisor And uh, she said, week six is always when everybody turns a corner. She said, hang in there, babe, you're going to be fine. And she was so right. You know, I, it, I couldn't believe the difference when I hit six weeks, I was into my sixth sixth week and it it was remarkably different. So my days really were, I was, I started my core restoration, core retraining exercises in late week two. So 
I, I kind of like in early week two, I was like, can I do a Kegel? Oh, what did it feel like? Did it feel okay? How did I feel? And, and, um, and so near the, the end of the second week, I started to do my, I call it the core breath. So it's like a Kegel coordinated with breathing. And, and then I followed the exercise program that I had created in my other company, Bellies Inc called the core confidence program. And it's very much focused on retraining the involuntary um, like the anticipatory response of the pelvic floor in movement. So bridge, clam, bent knee lift. So every week I was adding, and I'm now actually in my eighth week, which is the final week and I'm doing lunges now. So it's core breath, bridge, clam, bent knee lift, seated march, um, squats, standing one leg balance and lunges. So after this week, I will start to add more side lunge and dynamic lunge rather than stationary. Um, I've seen my, my surgeon and my pelvic floor physio. And uh, so I've kind of, I've got the, you know, everything's healed well, it's looking great. My lift was better in my pelvic floor. So um, before when again, I was struggling with that lift piece, it's definitely and I, I can feel it. And I was hoping that my pelvic floor physio would confirm what I was feeling. Um, and she said, Yeah, it's definitely better and improved. And um, I didn't have any when I was doing a squat before I would get a little bit of descent. And now that's gone. So so I can maintain, you know, perfect, no descent, no bulging, no anything on my movement, which I was happy about. So I, I looked at it as kind of like postpartum recovery. I and I was very diligent every day to do my core retraining exercises, I would do them at least once a day, but often twice a day. I started adding in a few little hypopressive apneas in week three. Um, and I by no means was doing my full routine um, till about a week ago, actually. So I would just sort of, I would do the lying, the, the supine positions more. And I started walking in late in my second week. And, you know, I would go for about 20 minutes to half an hour. And there was a few days where after a walk, I felt heaviness for sure. And I felt very tired. And that's part of the concerning thing was by week four and five, I was thinking, God, you know, I feel really weak. And in my mind, I thought because of all the work that I had done before and that I was, I wouldn't necessarily have, I wasn't anticipating feeling weak. I knew I would feel sore and I would feel uncomfortable, but I wasn't anticipating that weakness. And, um, so part of that was a little discouraging, but I just kept my mind focused on the outcome that I wanted. I wanted kind of like how I wrote the surgery went very well in my head. The outcome for me was when my physio says your lift is better. That's what, that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept focusing on that and, and doing my exercise religiously. And then that comment from my, my friend uh, who said the six week is a, a turning point helped. And she was totally right. Um, in the, in week four or five, I used, um, it's, there's a few different names. There's, it's like a, it's like a, a support. It's kind of like a female jock strap mm -hmm. and yeah. it, you, you know, wraps around and it provides a little counter pressure. So I used that on a few days, which really helped with that feeling of, of weakness that I had. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to, to go for walks a little bit more freely. Um, so I'd say I probably walked three times a week for kind of the middle weeks. Um, definitely at a slower pace than I was before, but well, and Kim, I'm just thinking to myself, you've mentioned a few things that if you have links to the strap, to the infrared devices, anything specific, maybe you can send them to me by email and I can put them in the show notes just in case people are curious. 
Yeah, for sure. I have the, the red light I have in my Instagram, but I'll definitely send you the link and I'll send you the product that I used for the V support uh, as well. And yeah, so um, I was very intentional. I was prepared for my recovery. I knew exactly what I was going to be doing. And I had a structured routine every single day um, for my, for the red light therapy, for my bath, for my movement. And, and then I took a lot of time to rest. Again, I had the privilege and, and fortune to have my husband home and my two kids who were able to do a lot. And I was very open. Like I have two boys, but they knew exactly what was happening. And I explained the surgery to them and I explained my recovery and, um, you know, I'm very transparent with my kids and, and I think they're grateful for that too. So they knew exactly what was, what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I feel really, really grateful that I have the knowledge that I do, that I have the community that I do. And part of my mission it has always been and still remains to make that information more accessible so everybody can go into making this decision with that sense of support and knowledge and um, yeah, support and knowledge, really. Those are the two things that I think people are missing. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I've had that echoed from my audience and I know you have too. So um, I'm really happy that you provide that for your audience. You know, I provide it for mine too. And just talking, just having conversations like this is so helpful in that support piece. And I just want to highlight one thing before we sign off, which is this power. I I talk about a lot, the power of mindset and the power Mm -hmm. of belief and trust and, and faith. And you have demonstrated that you've had this on this entire journey from years and years and years and years and years ago, when you first started working on your, on your pelvic health and really discovering more about it and doing all these conservative treatment measures, you had that belief and faith that you could get better. And you did. I mean, you had that time when symptoms were completely gone. And then even when things kind of came back, you still had belief and faith, you know, I'm going to keep trying. And you kept this positive attitude and then keeping that positive attitude allowed you to go into surgery so much stronger because of all of the strength you built from your years and years of living the lifestyle. Yeah. And then also that like literally just before surgery time where you were like, this is going to be fine. I'm going to do great. Like I'm going to come out just perfect. So keeping that eye on the prize. And then when things started going downhill, you still are not downhill, but you were concerned. Like did this work? You You kept your eyes on the positive and you had that belief in faith and it, and it did, it worked. And I just want to reinforce that because I talk about it a lot and I feel like sometimes it can seem kind of Pollyanna and kind of like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're living proof that it works. Yeah. 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 I remember when I, 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 I've always been a big fan of Deepak Chopra and I I've followed his 21 day practices a lot. And anyway, they have a new app and I, I purchased the app and I use it every day. And one of the, um, it was before surgery, one of the, I think his name is Roger Gabriel, who was leading one of the meditation that day. And one of the, he was a storyteller kind of, and, and he said it was about, um, anxiety and and worry. And his quote was worrying is like praying for what you don't want. Yeah. And that struck such a a chord with me. And that was, that became, and it still is now it's, it's, if I get into a place where I'm worried about something and I even tell this now to my kids, that's just it by focusing on that, it's like praying for what you don't want. So we need to focus on what we do want. And, and that was, that became my mantra as I was preparing for and recovering from. So even when I had those days thinking, 
<clears throat> excuse me, it went, we had those days thinking, oh my gosh, have I broken my vagina? Am I going to be worse than I was? You know, I would, I would recapitulate and say, okay, yeah. I'm praying for what I don't want. What do I want? I want this. And then I would turn myself around and, and, uh, and write the ship. But yeah, I really love that saying. I love that too. That's a wonderful one. It's, I've also heard the saying that it's like you're in a rocking chair that just you rock and rock and rock, but it's not actually getting you anywhere. Like it's really yeah. not productive. <laughs> and I mean, it's not that you beat yourself up when you worry. It's like, well, you just acknowledge that you're worrying. And I, I struggle with this myself. I'm definitely prone to anxiety and worry and all of that, but yeah. I do try to, to almost float myself out of my body and kind of look at things from a bird's eye perspective and just sort of yeah fly over. I call it flying over my fear. So if I'm having yes, fear, yes, I just yes. come out of my body and like fly over it and say, okay, and it feels good. Like I can even yeah. say it right now and feel myself, feel that feeling of it. But yeah, I think those practices are really important for people to develop if they've never thought about it. It's a neat, it's a neat tool. So yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. We have covered so much, Kim. This has been amazing. I cannot wait to share this with my people. So um, I, I want to respect your time though. So where can people find you? I will put everything in the, in the notes, but just let us know where they can find you and anything you'd like to sign off with. Thank you. I, I, I love talking about this and I really appreciate the platform that you have to, to help others. So thank you very much for that. Um, Vaginacoach.com is my website and I did keep a blog. I actually have to write my final one in there, but I, I did keep a blog each week of, of what I was doing. And um, you know, I do have a couple of product links in there of things that I was using if people are interested. So you can follow along on there. Um, my Instagram and social handles are vaginacoach as well. So you can find me there. And, um, and I will be, I, I don't have a launch date for it yet. I'm still working on a kind of the outline of the program that I have, but uh, at some point down the road, there will be something available for people who are pursuing surgery, not just for rectocele, but, but really any kind of pelvic surgery. And um, yeah, so I think what I would leave people with was the mantra that I said is worrying is like praying for what you don't want. That's what I would leave. And, 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 and also that surgery is okay. It's an option. And, and if it's the right choice for you, then go in fully informed and supported and be focused on what you want your outcome to be. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Amazing. I will say goodbye to everyone and goodbye to you, Kim, but thanks again. Appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And if this podcast was helpful for you today, please share it with a friend. Tell them you know, what you learned and how it's going to be helpful and amazing for them to talk about this stuff. Don't forget to subscribe and also check the show notes for all the links you need, including how to follow me on Instagram and YouTube. And until next time, remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit. We'll see you next time.